Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? And welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Isel here to talk about the show's penultimate es- episode as penultimate, aired. Penultimate, you say? Yes, penul- penul- penultimate. Pinocchio. Laugh, Clown, Laugh, season five, episode 21, that aired on February 28th, 1971. It is not available on Paramount Plus, it's available on DVD. I think you watched it on Decades, you told me. Yes. Um, who is our writer? Writer? Well, it's funny you should ask, Ted, because we've had various stories of writers uh, on the show, and uh, you know, in many cases, they are uh, they're familiar names that have been writing for the show a long time. Occasionally, we have the Carl Gottlieb, who later goes on to write screenplay for Jaws, but this is a first, I must say. We, have, we also had the mysterious case of the Argentinian child writer who turned out to be two different people. Um, but this is the strangest of all. Now, in the DB, I'm sorry, in the IMDB listing, it credits the script to a Fred Barnard. When I go to IM, when I clicked on his name in IMDB, he had one credit, The Odd Couple, season five, Laugh, Clown, Laugh, and nothing else about the name. Then I noticed, I thought maybe it's a typo, maybe they misspelled the name, and I looked, went back to the video of the episode, and on the screen, the credit is to Fred Bernard, Bernard, B-E-R-N-A-R-D. But there is no writer named Fred Bernard in IMDb. Huh. I put Fred Bernard in IMDb. It comes up like some old silent movie actor and some actor from more recent times. Nothing. So I can only conclude that this is a pseudonym. Did you Google Fred Bernard writer? Go beyond I IMDb. Googled Fred Bernard TV writer, television writer, nothing. Huh. Nothing. Well, it's... so. I'm assuming it's a pseudonym. And now why anyone would feel a need to use a pseudonym for one episode of The Odd Couple. And the book, the 25th anniversary book, sheds no light. Oh, I didn't check, actually. I know they don't say anything about the writer, but I didn't check the way that the name was. Oh, well, maybe one of our listeners will. But yeah, this is an interesting mystery. And maybe it's someone who did not want to put their name on this episode. Which... Is a little understandable given right this i mean one theory you a little more out there theory i have is that given the nature of a guest star episode it's like there is no script and it's basically gary marshall and the head writer and you know lowell gantz and mark uh and uh rothman harvey miller and mark rothman right just like teaming up and just like throwing something together and deciding on a, a, a kind of front, a front name to take the, the credit. But who knows? So the opening shot is a police car pulling up in front of the building 
It double parks. Obviously, this is Murray. Murray gets out. He very leisurely walks into the building to fake 1049 Park Avenue. We do see a bus drive by. It's got an ad for U.S. News and World Report on it, I noticed. I also noticed this is clearly not one of the other clips of Murray pulling up where he was in a great hurry. Yes. And so they did film various versions of Al Molinaro getting out of his police car at the, the San Remo. Inside the apartment, we see Oscar watching TV sitting on the couch. We hear a voice coming from the TV, a voice that should be recognizable to anyone at the time or now. It's Richard Dawson. And he says, all right, you know how we play this game. Then I needn't explain it any further. Oscar's got a big remote in his hands. So they, they obviously squirged <laughs> on, a, on a clicker on a new remote control TV. He's eating crackers and he gets crumbs all over the couch. The doorbell buzzes. Oscar says to whoever it is, come in. Murray comes in and says, oh, hi, Oscar. Oscar says, hey, Murray, how you doing? Murray says, what are you doing? Oscar says, I'm watching Masquerade Party with Richard Dawson. Is that a real show? I'm going to get to that. Murray says, there was a message at the station. You wanted to talk to me. What's up? Oscar says, oh, I wanted to get to tell you some good news, but you didn't have to come down here. Murray says, no, it's okay. What's the good news? Oscar says, you're not going to believe this. I was just picked up. I was just picked to co-host a series of talk shows with Richard Dawson. I'm going to get to Masquerade Party with Richard Dawson after the first clip. Um, and at this point, as he's talking to Murray, a, a beeper goes off, and that leads us to the first clip. What is that? <laughs> What's what? Beep, beep, beep. What is that beep, beep? Oh, that. That's just a police emergency call. Go ahead. Aren't you going to answer it? In the middle of your story? If I answer it, I'll have to go in. Now, come on, finish up. Oh, well, Richard Dawson and I are going to co-host ABC's Wide World of Entertainment. See you for about a week. Could you talk faster, Oscar? Well, we're going to do a show about sports. We're going to do a show about magic. We're going to do a show about new talent, things like that, see? Does Felix know? No, Hurry up. No, see, he doesn't know that I'm co-hosting. He knows I'm co-hosting. He doesn't know who I'm co-hosting with because he just found... Will you start with your finger? Is that it? That's it. Oh, thanks for hurrying it up. Listen, you may have saved someone's life. <laughs> Congratulations, Oscar. Oh, these things are such a nuisance. Nag, nag, nag. <laughs> Are you eating crackers on the sofa? Sleep in the door. What he's doing? What are you watching? It's a rabbi. Masquerade party, Richard Dawson. Turn this off. I don't want that trash. What are you talking about? He's going to co-host a show with me. Who is? Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson? Yeah. Richard Dawson fat. Fat? What kind of reaction is that? That man ruined my life. I'm going to enjoy working with him. The Masquerade Party was a real TV show. It aired in originally 1952 to 1960, and the premise was that celebrity celebrity panelists would try to guess the identity of another celebrity who was in disguise. Hmm. So isn't that like uh, What's My Line? Yes, it was kind of based on the success of What's My Line, I've Got a Secret to Tell the Truth. Um, although it, And it, now The Masked Singer. That's another version of it, right. <laughs> so there was a syndicated revival in 1974, 
75 season, which is oh. where we are here, hosted by Richard Dawson, produced by Monty Hall, which may explain something what's going on here. Um, there are clips on it on YouTube. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's a really weird show. I mean, the, the two, the, there's an episode with William Shatner in disguise, an episode with Alan Lennon in disguise. <laughs> the disguises are really good. Like, like what I didn't, kind of disguises? They're okay. like latex, like Mission Impossible type oh my latex God. masks. <laughs> so they look like a real person. They look, well, no, they look like a, no, the masks are done. They look like they're wearing a mask, but you can't oh, okay. really tell who they are. And then they put on a phony voice and they're playing a character. They're, they play a character who is somehow a clue of who they are. So example, William Shatner plays a ship's cap, like an old pirate oh, captain. Oh, okay. Um, and they put on voices, but the 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 gameplay is weird it's yeah. just it's weird and you said alan ludden alan ludden yeah he i did not so another, another, co- co- he another would, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, connection well i guess so he was one of the disguised guests i did right. not know it was alan one at all i mean i don't even know if the clip said it it's like the subject uh, of the youtube uh, said it was him yeah. i could not figure out it was him so that part is very good but the game, it's just a weird show. Uh, and this was ABC, right? It's syndication. Oh, so, so why does ABC feel a need to? Uh, maybe pre- maybe that was part of the deal of getting him was to promote. Maybe part of the deal of getting him to guest star, which was a coup uh-huh. for the odd couple, was the, uh, the exchange. They promote Masquerade Party. Right. But what, why would ABC care? To get Richard Dawson. Was he? So what else was he? This well, I'm about to talk. Family. No. Oh, okay. Yes. Free family feud. You have family more feud. to say about yes. him. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about him. He was, okay. he was quite a, he was a get at the time. So he was born in England. He started doing comedy as Dickie Dawson after World War II. He started making some guest appearances on TV and small roles in movies. But his first break was he played Newkirk on Hogan's Heroes for six seasons. Right. Right. So he was well known for that. Then he became a panelist on Match Game in 1973. Wow. So between 1973 and 1975, he became kind of the biggest star TV personality. of Match Game, which was a very popular oh. show. Oh. Everyone really liked him. He was very which funny. Is another, Match Game is, of course, another nexus for Odd Couple, right? Because of Tony Randall's. Jack Klugman was on. Uh, the, Jack was Klugman, on, right. Yeah, Gift I mean. His wife, right? Well, wait, yeah. Well, Tony Randall wasn't really part of Match Game, but oh, Brett Summers. I'm that, sorry, I'm confusing him with Hollywood Squares. Tony Randall wasn't. Well, he was on Hollywood Squares once, but okay. I would not call Tony Randall oh. a connection to Hollywood Squares. Jack Klugman, clearly, because Matt and oh. Brett Summers became one of the other, right. you know, there are three big okay. stars of Match Game Charles Nelson oh. Riley, Brett Summers, and Richard Dawson. So there is that connection wow. to Match Game as well. So the big question is how did Charles Nelson Riley not ever, ever end up being on the Odd Couple? Maybe they will. It's a good point. By the way, that's now that we're talking about Brett Summers, uh, I'm reminded of something we discovered back when we were covering her more, which is that uh, the story of their marriage about when their marriage ended is somewhat is not clear. Right. We talked Uh, about that a while ago. Right. Where people who knew them seems to seem to believe that they were sort of already growing apart during the, the time of the odd couple. And that they didn't get legally officially divorced till after, but but it's clear we haven't seen Blanche. We haven't seen Blanche. No. So they probably really split up sometime in season four. 
Uh, so from the match came that led to his big hosting job in 1976 to 1985 of Family uh, Feud, where okay. he became, a, you know, a, a bigger star. But he was a, a, a well sought after TV personality at the time. Was match uh, game ABC? I forget. Or was that it was that was uh, C, I think in, in, on daytime, I believe it was CBS. Um, there was a syndicated version. The, the show became so popular that um, there was a nighttime version that was in syndication. And um, it was on CBS uh, uh, and it uh, looks like in its original run on, um, yeah, in the 70s. So I they were not promoting that. That's why they probably never mentioned Match Game here oh. because it was a, it was a competing network. Um, he was also, he, so he quit the show in 85 or he left the show in 85, he came back yeah, for one. Feud. Yes. He came back for one season, um, in 94, 95, which is the show's final season of syndication before it then kind of got revived over and over again. It's now hosted by Steve Harvey and is still very successful. Um, some also people remember him as playing the announcer in the running man, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Oh, right. Yeah. So we kind of had a little bit of a kind of post family feud fame from that what's interesting which i didn't know he so he died in 2012 he died 16 years to the day after his fellow family feud host ray combs committed suicide ray who ray combs <laughs> uh i'm sorry this is a very sad story so i don't want to you don't know ray combs a lot of it, but i did not know well you know i didn't really i did i remember watching it occasionally yeah but his story episode. his he but i didn't he, know he had a co-host no 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 Sorry, I not did I say co-host? His after Richard Dawson left, mm. somebody else came in. There are uh, other hosts of Family Feud. Okay, and they found a comedian to host oh. it, a, a nobody named Ray Combs, who hosted it for many years. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, he's bigger. His he was also known as some, he had a lot of children, and he was also known that at a very young age, maybe it was forty or so, he committed suicide. Oh. So. Uh, he he. So you're suggesting a family feud kind of conspiracy to off the hosts of the show? Yeah, no, I'm just pointing out. On a certain timing. day, yeah. we should say like a warn Steve Harvey to be careful on that day. It was not saying that. <laughs> okay. Um, sure, Ted. Sure, Ted. Okay. So after the credits, Felix is unplugging the TV and he's moving it back to the side of the room where it sits i i forget that they do this you know that tv that they watch and then we see like the yeah. fake we see this the fourth wall we see like a bureau behind it that doesn't sit in the living room they wheel it back and forth between kind of like the mirror area the side of the living room right. and the front of the couch so they don't leave it in front of the couch yeah so what's it's really yeah felix um as we'll see in the next scene actually is moving the television away from its that's what i'm saying yeah. yeah but which is kind of a weird way to live for i mean i guess uh <laughs> i guess you know if you're in a house where you don't want to encourage watching tv you don't put the tv permanently in front of the couch i can understand that if, you, if that's just not your style you don't like want to have it always there but it is kind of if you were really living in an apartment, it would be kind of awkward to have the TV like off to the side and also yeah. occasionally wheel it out. You would think Oscar's watching TV all the time, all the sports right. he's watching. Sports, so it's yeah. a weird that they but it, I mean it's a consistent prop. It explains placement. why it's not there all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oscar says, Look, I still don't understand why you're mad at Richard Dawson. And Felix says, I don't want to talk about it. 
And now Felix rolls over Oscar's foot with the TV settings. He's pulling it away. <laughs> Oscar says, you ran over my foot. Felix says, and he ran over my life. I'm very upset about it. <laughs> Oscar says, all right, maybe if you talk about it, you'd feel better. Felix scoffs and says, ah, Oscar says, come on. Felix says, you know that when I was in the army, I was stationed in England. Oscar says, yeah, that's where you developed an allergy to fog. And what he <laughs> says is Felix first looks at him indignantly, and then he realizes it's true, and he shrugs and says, that's right. Felix says, I was in special services. I was in the educational division. I had a real career going in army training films. So this was before he was in Japan battling okay. Pat Morita <laughs> on the island. Okay. We know Felix's war history is as follows. He was, um, well, I can't say the order for sure, but he was at Anzio. He's reminded us many, many times. Yes, yeah. The summer of 1940. He was a, wasn't he the first off the boat at Anzio? Exactly. The first, yeah. which would make him like the first U.S. Uh, soldier in uh, the European continent. Um, and I I forget what battle, whether they mention which battle in Japan he meets Pat Morita in. That could be before or after Anzio. And now he's in London. Yeah. Doing films, which would if he was doing films can you do can you be a, a person on the ground and also doing war films i don't think you can be in the combat well of course london is not a combat zone right so it's like that would be a job for someone in you know in communications or u.s style or something to serve the off uh, the uh, which would take you out the of the theater of war you would yes think. exactly thank you yeah. well put Oscar says, you had a career in army films? Felix says, are you kidding? I wrote, directed, and started in How to Take a Shower. <laughs> Oscar says, talk about typecasting. Felix says, I revolutionized the sex hygiene film. I was the first one to use the line, men, don't let this happen to you. Oscar says, that was yours? Felix says, absolutely, everyone stole that line. The Nazis used it, the Japanese used it, every army used it, except the Israelis. They changed it to, served you right. <laughs> which is basically saying the israeli army just means to, uh, an excuse for a jewish joke yes and felix does you know puts his fingers accusingly like a, <laughs> like a you know a, somebody who's making fun of, of a jewish person by the do. way we're getting more jewish we're getting more jewish humor in this episode because of course feh is, yeah, is a yiddish, yiddish thing uh oscar laughs at this line that felix has said and it also actually gets a small applause break Felix says, anyway, I branched out. I began to do camp shows. I was really big. I did my songs. I was a showstopper. Oscar says, I didn't know that. Felix says, absolutely. I was good. I was really good. And that leads to our second clip here. And then I picked up this partner, this nowhere British lieutenant. Richard Dawson. You guessed it. I picked him up out of nowhere. I, I taught him everything he knows. He rode on my coattails for over a year. Then a producer saw us and signed him up for a USO tour. I was shipped off to Greenland. I ended up doing jokes for Eskimos for two years. Well, that's a rough audience. You kidding? Try to get laughs out of an audience that's fishing. <laughs> yeah, but I still don't understand why you're mad at him. What did Dawson do? Because I started him off. I gave him I, everything he is he owes to me. So I, what do you expect? I could have been one of the greats. It could be these blue eyes that are back. <laughs> Whatever. But I just never got a chance. Oh, say, lovey. Some are winners, some are losers. Some give, some take. 
Phoenix Club. Dick and I are doing a whole show on finding new talent. You want me to ask him to let you on do no, your stuff? No, no, thank you. I will not be beholden to him. I'm buried now, and I'll stay buried. Okay, suit yourself. However, <laughs> if it should come up without being pushy, I, I don't like pushy, but... It's... Yeah, but suppose he says no. Then be pushy. <laughs> Though I always forget with this episode, when he says Richard Dawson, fair, I always, I, I remember the fair, and, but I always forget that Richard Dawson's really never done anything to Felix. He's, Felix is just jealous <laughs> right, that Richard right. Dawson's more talented. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, so the next scene, by the way, he says lieutenant. I guess that's the British way people say lieutenant. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I can't say for sure. Hey, but uh, I don't want to let this go by without uh, giving a Frank Sinatra uh, shout out to the Old, bull, old Blue Eyes is Back was an actual Frank Sinatra. Everybody uh, knows his, that. Why are you pointing yes. that out? <laughs> well, you're right, Ted. I guess everyone who would ever listen to a podcast like this does know that. Yeah, but Old Blue Eyes is, is not, is not a... Is, no, but the phrase Old Blue Eyes is Back, specifically, yeah. not just... Not just that Frank Sinatra's old. Well, boy, I know, but, but he had a big comeback in the early. Yeah. I, all right. I but figured everyone right. knew that. There's anyone listening to this would not need such a footnote. I believe that's true. Uh, next scene Felix is in a coat and tie, and Murray's fiddling with the TV set. Felix says, Can't you watch someplace else, Murray? Murray says, Where? I don't have a TV set in my patrol car, and the one at the police station got stolen. Felix says, Can't you watch at home? Murray says, I can't go home and on duty. There's a magician on tonight. Felix says, all right, I'll watch for a little while with you. He says this begrudgingly. Felix sits on the couch. And now we're going to play a clip. It's it's almost four minutes. There's a lot of visuals here. We'll describe them afterwards. But uh, I, I, trying to narrate this clip, trying to narrate the scene is silly. So I'm just going to play it. And then I think you'll be able to figure out what's going on. I love magic. Felix, don't tell the guys, but... Sometimes I like to pretend that my nightstick is a magic wand. And my patrol car's a pumpkin. Watch the show. Thank you, Joe Namath, and thanks for the pantyhose. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that takes care of the sports section of this show. And now I'd like to introduce my co-host, who was gracious enough to let me appear with him. A great warm welcome for a great comedian, Richard Dawson. <laughs> I see the fish died. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have the world's greatest magician. Will you join me? Nice welcome, Mr. Mark Wilson. Greatest trick you've ever seen an Oscar? You are gonna help. Oh, yeah. Gonna All right, yeah. let's get this off. Come right over here. Behave yourself out there. Okay. If you just recline on this board, right here. Okay. Put your head up there. Okay. All right. Good. Fine. Make yourself comfortable. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm posing for a nude centerfold. <laughs> well, here we go. Charlie Horse. Now, watch. <laughs> 
There's a ladder under your feet. It's coming out. You're on one ladder, Oscar. You're kidding. Now watch this. What's happening now? Now here comes the hard part. Up. What's the in-flight movie? You're floating in the air. Third floor lingerie. Traffic on the George Washington Bridge, light and moderate. There he is. safe landing. I promise I'll never lie anymore. I'll help you with the dishes. I'll do everything, Mom. Please let it be a safe landing. Okay, get ready. Yeah. Just about. Just about down. There it is. Hey. If you could just float the dollar. <laughs> Listen, uh, something I have to tell you now. It's like playing dirty pool, doing it on the show. But, what? But we have a mutual friend. What, the little blonde at reception? <laughs> I've seen her once. What? No, 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 no. Felix Unger. What? Felix Unger. Felix? I used to do an act with a guy in England named Felix Unger. That's the guy. Oh, God. We used to do camp shows for the troops. Uh -huh. We were the worst act in the world. The most... Horrible act in the history of show business. Was that bad? Bad? We finished the show one night. General Patton came backstage and slapped us both. <laughs> Twice. That's, that's not true. Anything? We had a wonderful act. Uh, Bill, Where are you going? To pick up the gauntlet he threw down. Three questions each. He's so tidy. So, a lot of things about that scene. First of all, I think it's odd that if Dawson's the host of the show and he chose Oscar to co-host it, Oscar's the first one on the show and he introduces Dawson. Yeah, yeah. Why did they start without Dawson? Right. Especially, and also, since of the two of them, Dawson is the professional entertainer. And that means Dawson had nothing to do with interviewing Joe Namus, who was a big star at the time. Oh. And so well, I, I understand that Oscar's a sports guy, but still, right, you right. would think Dawson would want to be part of the Joe Namus segment. I would have look. Um, let's just say something that needs to be said. For a guy who who keeps going on television and, and very badly, Oscar Madison gets a lot of gigs. He does. That's right. <laughs> I mean, let's remember he uh, with David Steinberg. Uh, he ended up okay, but he started off horribly. He was very yeah. nervous. Then uh, he completely embarrassed himself ethically and ruined himself ethically on the Peter Critics panel by pretending to have his wisdom teeth removed. And he was embarrassed by <laughs> Howard, Howard Cosell multiple times. Right, multiple times. And then we just saw him uh, lose his voice, go on Dick Cavett, even though he had no voice. And he made a debacle of radio. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he has a. Why would any? Why would the network, presumably ABC in this case, uh, want to hire him for yep. a show with a real entertainer? Um. And by the way, so this maybe is a reference worth calling out. Joe Namath did pantyhose commercials for Hanes in 1973. Oh, That's why I there's did, a reference. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. that. I just thought it was just a random guy. No. So when Dawson says, I see the fish died, it's because he's standing in what looks in front of what looks like a giant empty aquarium, but it's a prop for the magic act. So this magician, Mark Wilson, I'm going to talk about him in a second, but 
so they introduce the magician. He comes out. Now, you probably didn't notice this because it's very small, but when he comes out, he is he runs out. He's his his body is kind of tilted forward as he runs out, kind of like he's bowing. And then when he gets to Richard Dawson, he pulls back and straightens up and actually moves his back backwards. For some reason, I mentioned my best friend before, Jerry Tishner, on this podcast, and he and I were the first people, when I first experienced the show watching it with him. We were fascinated by the way this guy came out onto the show, <laughs> the way he would like, he, the way his body is moving forward and then backwards. We used to try to imitate it for some reason because it's so show busy. Oh. And it's so kind of like phony, fake, oh. like it's just not natural. And there's something about the way he would come out that delighted or fascinated us. Yeah. And we would try to imitate it. That's so, I mean, I did not, I do not remember this at all. Well, go back and look at it. The fact that it was that prominent for you. As yes. Child, and yes. We need to see what this is. I mean, maybe I just kind of wrote it off as like, well, of course. So. <laughs> uh, so Mark Wilson was a real magician. He's actually considered kind of the father of television magic. He started doing magic as a child, then on a local television station in Dallas in the 50s. That became a nationally syndicated show that ran for a while called Magic Land of Alakazam. And that made him kind of famous. He performed all over the world. He consulted on TV shows and movies where magic was needed. In fact, I had forgotten that there is a I had bought a DVD quite a while ago. I've not yet, I had not yet watched of a one season show in the seventies called the magician with Bill Bixby, who plays a famous magician who solves I crimes. I remember this. Was this like out right after incredible Hulk? No, no, this is before oh, this is okay. like 74, 75. No, this is before the Hulk. Okay. Um, and, um, and, Mark Wilson was the consulting magician person on it. And I, so I watched two of them as I was kind of preparing for the podcast. It's not a very good show. I, I wonder if I'll get through all 22 on the DVD, but um, he, that was, that was probably the height of where he was providing consulting for, um, for, he provided a lot of consulting when actors had to do magic on a show. Perhaps was that perhaps an ABC show? I believe it was an NBC show, oh, okay. I believe. Because he's uh, basically another guest star of this episode. He is right, which and I and and it's like a real act that they're doing. Right, um, yeah. So it it it's unclear to me why that exactly happens. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's talk about the magic for a few minutes. Um, so actually, let me do a little more about Mark Wilson. Um, he also created the Hall of Magic for the General Cigar Pavilion at the 1964 World's Fair. Um, my point is he 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 was probably quite well known to audiences of this time. Mm. He died last year, by the way, lived oh quite goodness. a long time. Uh, now the woman, it, so it, so the the two tricks. I don't know enough. So what I read about him is on TV, he did not try to do any editing or cuts that would make the magic trick be, not be magical. So he tried to be real. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to assume for the moment that none of these tricks were done by stopping the film and putting the lady in the cage. So I don't know how the lady got in the cage. Like I, I looked again yesterday, unless yeah. you know the secret of how it's done. I don't know well, how that's done, but it is a standard. These are, it is a standard, standard bit, trip. right? So there's a clear, easy way, but it's not obvious to me how it's done. Now, the woman who comes out is his Mark Wilson's real life assistant and wife, Nanny oh. Darnell, who appeared with him on uh, for, for, throughout most of his career. So that's not just some random person. 
Now, the trick with Oscar is the opposite. It is so obvious how that's done. It's almost embarrassing to me. The the bench, so he Oscar gets yeah. on this red bench that is supported by two step ladders or looks like it's supported, and he lies on it. Now, this the the trick with the woman, this this tank is in the middle of the studio. So you cannot see any way that a woman would be able to like come out from behind this the curtains. So there's green curtains surrounding the studio. So it's not obvious to me how it's done. I'm sure somebody listening knows magic and knows how it's done. But this this red bench that he gets on that seems to levitate is is positioned right by the curtain. So it's obvious to me that there's some sort of beam (laughs) that or some sort of beam that's going up and down a lever that holds the bench up. That's just moving up and down. And when Mark Wilson tries to show there's nothing happening, he never actually puts his body in the middle behind uh, that bench. He puts his arms around it, but he right. never actually puts himself or his appendages where there's he never, clear, does a, never does a, a 360. 360 like no, never does a three. Right. He yeah. makes it seem like he's doing that. Yeah, he, but I he's not. Try, I, could, I mean, it was clever. He's like putting his hands in all these places where you're going, oh, I thought there was a wire there. Exactly. So it's clear that there's yeah. a some sort of, of behind lever the curtain, behind yeah. the curtain lifting it up. I mean, it's right. so badly done <laughs> that it's odd because the other trick to me is seems very yeah. i don't know how he's how he's doing it well i guess the goal is to involve oscar in some purportedly funny way which i could do without him trying to make those jokes you know yeah those jokes are bad Oscar, <laughs> let's forget jack klugman jack klugman obviously yeah, knows yeah. what's happening but oscar should be able to figure out so he obviously i he <laughs> must figure it out and then go along well, gag. I think that's the idea of the, him making the jokes is that he's not really scared. Right. Um, okay, I that's my spiel on this scene. <laughs> Do you have um, any other comments on it? Well, I want to just something we we skipped over was that it is I noted that it is called Wide World of Entertainment. Yeah. The show. Right. And and it's, so it's clearly modeled on ABC's Wide World of Sports, right? Yes, right, and and branching out into other other right. topics. So, yes. so I think it's clearly implied this is an ABC show. Well, the next scene we see the outside oh, of the ABC. The stu- we yes. see the studio again for like course, the right. fifth time. We see the outside <laughs> of the ABC studio. Um, so Dawson and Oscar are still doing the show uh, after we cut away from the terrible Oscar board trick. And Dawson says, "Let's hear it for Wanda and her Wonder Birds, ladies and gentlemen. Beautiful, thank you." Uh, both Oscar and Richard clap. Dawson says, don't cage the beasts. And then he turns to Oscar and says, we got one minute. Oscar says, I want to thank you. You made it easy, Dick. Dick says, you've been a delight. And that leads to this next clip. Stop the clock. Stop. I demand equal time. Let me on. Here we are. Sounds like Felix hey. Unger. Oh, hey, hold it. Let him in. Please, let him in. Please. Ladies and gentlemen, my ex-partner, Lieutenant Felix Unger. I wrote this in the cab on the way over. Dear Mr. Dawson, I take umbrage. As a retired captain of the famous 22nd training film platoon, I say we did not have a rotten act, at least not my half of it. I demand that you allow the American public, Mr. and Mrs. Front Porch, to decide the way 12,000 Eskimos did. That's easy. We're taping tomorrow, right? The new talent show. How would you like to be on the new talent show? You're on. All right, and we're off. Good night, America. Good night. Good night.
Good night, everybody. Murray, use your coaster. Can't see me. So once again, Felix manages to get into a TV studio <laughs> very easily. You would think, especially at that studio, right? Yeah, that right. ABC show, there should be a picture of Felix yeah. backstage to security saying, do not let this man in. Um, and the, the security guard does uh, manage to kind of stop him. Or not security guard, the stage manager. And that's when we hear Dawson saying, let him in. Um Dawson extends his hand to shake Felix's hand when Felix walks in, and Felix does not do that. The end is a very funny bit, although there's that, yes. that the laughing seems to like a laugh track to me. But 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 Felix turns to the TV and says, "Murray, use your coaster." Murray's <laughs> we see Murray in the living room, and his class is not on a coaster, so he puts it on a coaster. Then says he can't see me, takes it off, and then shrugs and realizes I should put it on the coaster, and he puts it on the coaster. It's a very I funny. It, it's a fun. I mean, again, it's well. They at least they don't make Murray that too dumb. You know, he does know what he's doing is a little ridiculous, but, uh, uh, but um, I think the reason there's a laugh track there probably is they have to cut away to show a shot of Felix on the television set right. from Murray's point of view. Right, which they had to cut in. You know, they had to insert that. Um, but uh, the thought of Felix actually saying Murray used your coaster to the entire uh, American TV watching audience is hilarious. It's a, it's, it's, it's a funny, there's a little, there's all, there's a bunch of little funny bits in this episode yeah. that make up for some of the flaws yeah. in the episode. Yeah. Um, in the next scene where now we see the outside of Carnegie hall and inside we're in that same rehearsal room we've seen before in the odd decathlon and yes. in the and in the bigger they are in the fake oh. commercial, which plays a very important role in this scene, the fake commercial with the teeter totter that breaks and they use the glue. Oh my goodness, you're right. Ah, oh. and so we now we cut. We see Eddie Garrett. Well, Carne- I want to say one more thing. The Carnegie Hall shot is also where they we had the ballet class. Yes, that's right. Uh, they use the exterior for that. Yes, and, and the uh, inside. Uh, well, no, that one looks a little different similar. than this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but it was similar, but not this. Not exactly um, the same as the other two episodes. And it is true that Carnegie Hall. Uh, ha- it says Carnegie Hall Studios or something, or Carnegie Hall Recital Hall, right? Which is now called Wild Recital Hall. Uh, but they do have upstairs at Carnegie Hall. They have all, they have all long had uh, kind of studios that people rent. Um, I believe now. Here's where I saw something very small on the. Uh, image ted that i wonder if you caught in that little uh ex uh what do you call it exterior exterior establishing shot yes there is a man coming out of carnegie hall at the very last second walking down the steps having seemingly like bought some tickets and he looks a lot like tony randall making me wonder whether this was ever used whether this might have been intended as a different exterior shot showing felix at carnegie hall or something but that would have to be enlarged Zapruder film style in order for me to. Well, actually, that. I'm I'm going to look at this right now okay. as we speak. I actually yeah. saved the. Um, I, oh, great. Uh, so I see. Oh, you're right. You know what? I think you're right. Wow. Okay. I think that's correct. That does look a lot <laughs> like Tony Randall. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to zoom in. <laughs> that I think you're right about that. 
right. I th- so I think this is from, you know, they use the Carnegie, they use Carnegie Hall a bunch in season one. Uh, to oh, right. do different things. Yeah. So I yeah. bet this is establishing shot from season Way one. Back where, then, yeah, 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 that's an excellent catch, Garrett. Excellent. Oh, thank you. Yeah, welcome. I w- I was actually watching this on a television, not my phone. Yeah. Yes, well, that I assume that was the case. <laughs> um, but uh, I definitely did not did not notice that. Um, so inside the uh, inside the rehearsal room, we first see Eddie Garrett. Yes. Wearing gray sweatpants and a gray sweatshirt. And then we see an older woman wearing the same outfit. She's played by Georgia Schmidt. Do you know where we just saw her? No. Since you didn't read my notes, you told me. <laughs> Please did, tell me and I'll give my did, honest did, reaction. Well, let me ask you a question. Did you, rec- did you think she looked familiar I, I, to you? I, I think if I had to guess, she was in the rent strike. That you got it. That's right. Mrs. Osgood. Right. That's ding, right. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Yep. Um, she walks over to Oscar who's sitting in the room and says, you're going to love this. Then she walks to an older man in the room who is also dressed in gray and says, remember, Ed, we're going to do a double, double somersault this time. Are you ready to catch me? And he nods. This guy never says anything. <laughs> really? There's a dubbed over uh-huh. sentence, but this guy doesn't get any credits. Like, I don't know who's mm-hmm. playing him. We also see a balding man sitting at the piano. Now Felix and Murray walk in. And Felix says, hey, ready for us. Oscar says, hi, Felix, how are you? Felix says, we're ready. And the older lady says, but this is our big finish. Oscar says, well, I just have to audition this act, okay? He says that to Felix. Oscar tells this, these, these gray people to go ahead. Now, in the middle of the room is a teeter-totter. This is the same teeter-totter from wow. that Bigger They Are commercial. It's got the same coloring on it. Wow. But the same people? No. no. Well, no. Not we'll see, the answer, yeah, you'll see where, yeah. yes, not now, but later. There's a big kind of joke coming. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, what's you know, you mentioning that to me? Maybe check the order episode, and they did bigger. They are they they did uh, they filmed that definitely. Let's see. That was number one hundred six. This is 113. So it was seven episodes ago. So I, it doesn't seem like that they could have anticipated that when they filmed the, the fake commercial in Bigger They Are. Yeah, I think I guess it's a coincidence that they had two teeter-totters needs and they uh, they must have one teeter-totter in the prop department. Right. I mean, they're, so at this point, they're kind of borrowing from that, from the Bigger They Are episode to do if, this. If they're aware, yeah. if they're even aware that they're doing the same gag. Yeah. same ish gag so the woman puts her side of the teeter-totter down on the floor and she steps on it and she she kind of she puts her hands at her side as if she's ready waiting to do some sort of acrobatic trick then we have a wide shot and we see eddie garrett stand on a ladder in front of the high edge and that old man whose name is ed is standing with his back to the old lady about five feet away and his arms in the air so what we're supposed to presume is Eddie Garrett's going to jump on the high edge of the teeter-totter, flip up this old woman in the air, do a double <laughs> somersault, and this old man's going to catch her. Right. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> um, although, if you watch America's Got Talent on NBC, mm. which I do, I- I've seen crazy things mm. like that happen on that show. So I guess in theory it's possible. And this is also like one of the oldest forms of television. The variety yeah, it- show not just for professional entertainers, but for like amateur, amateur hour kind of 
stuff and uh it's amazing you're right america's got talent is like one of the oldest formulas in right it's like ted mack it's a, right. there's a vaudeville aspect to it yeah. or circuses obviously so eddie garrett moves his arms back and forth while the piano player starts to play some dramatic music and eddie garrett jumps on the high edge of the teeter-totter but the teeter-totter just breaks <laughs> right in half he's a, he's a big guy we should we yes should that's out. right just Jason like the fake commercial cannot... by the way this is just right. like the fake commercial which was not eddie garrett and was not ah, any of these people. Okay, okay. So the old man, Ed, says in a very poorly dubbed in voiceover, where are you, Mabel? As he looks <laughs> upward. So Mabel touches him on the back and he turns around and she says, also dubbed over, I told you we have to get a smaller partner. Oscar says, yeah, they don't make wood the way they did before, but I love the act. I love the way you were standing there. You would have caught her. It was marvelous. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So then Eddie Garrett and Ed move the teeter-totter items out of the way. Oscar turns to Felix now and says, I've got a lot of acts to, to see. Show me what you've got, okay? Felix says, where's Dawson? Oscar says, well, he's going to be late, but just go ahead anyway. Felix says, well, you know that Dawson and I work together. Oscar says, he's not going to perform with you tonight. Felix says, I know. That's why I brought Murray along. Oscar says, Murray's going to be Dawson. Felix says, no, no, no. The mistake I made was in giving Dawson all the funny lines, all the yucks. That's what made him a star. So I'm going to do Dawson's part and he's going to do my part. Murray says, yeah, I'm going to play straight to Felix. He's going to do all the funny faces. Oscar says, okay, show me what you got. Felix says, here's a list of our bits. And he hands a piece of paper to Oscar. We now see Murray's carrying a large box, which he sets down. And that leads to uh, this clip. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we're going to take a little walk down one of America's very ordinary streets and see the kinds of people we run into. Hey, there's an Indian. Hi, are you an Indian, sir? How? Do you live on the reservation? And how? What do you do on the reservation? Make them arrows. For hunting? No, for one-way street. <laughs> Indian bitch. Well, now as we walk along, we see a farmer. Hi there. Howdy, Buff. <laughs> You're a farmer. Yeah, 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 yeah. What kind of farmer? Potato farmer. Everybody in these parts, potato farmer. Uh-huh. What kind of crop do you have this year? Oh, terrible, terrible. Rained all the time. Rain, nothing but rain, 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 rain. Just rain. Then the tractor got loose, ran all over the place. What'd that leave you with? Hundred acres of mashed potatoes. <laughs> what did he say, Murray? Hundred acres of mashed potatoes. That's what I thought he said. You can't do this kind of stuff. Why? Are you crazy? It stinks. That's this why. Is good stuff. How can you say a thing? Is like this what you did in the these service? These hats are funny, boy. Not on television today. Can you do anything else? Well, I've got my song. I've got my showstopper. All right. What a song. What is it? Laugh Clown Laugh. That's great. You got two laughs and a title. That's more than you got the whole act. <laughs> Don't do that. Anything. I will right, we'll go home and rehearse it All then. Right, All right. Bring the box, Murray. I should have played the Indian. <laughs> you ever seen anything in your life? Oscar, I'm sorry, Emily. Hi, Richie. Just for Felix. Oh. How'd everything go? I've seen some nice acts. Good. Felix did a routine. It drove me crazy. <laughs> it was the hokiest thing I ever saw. You want to tell me about it? I finally convinced him to sing, though. Great, see, because that he can yeah, sing. Nice he can sing. What songs are you going to sing? Laugh, clown, laugh. Laugh, clown, laugh. Well, what's the matter? What's the matter? It's a disaster. That's what's the matter. Didn't he do that in the service? Sure he did. He did it that night in England when Patton came and slapped both of us. Well, what are we going to do? Cut him out of the show? I wish there was a way we could just make it such a smash for them. Well, I'd like to do that too, but I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we can. 
Who's it? It's the next act. Who is it? He's a bead trainer. So in the scene, uh, Felix puts on a headdress for the Indian, which I think would not go over well today. And I think to their credit, at least, you know, I think Oscar's reaction to yes. the Indian bit. Exactly. Is and kind then, of reflecting our own feelings today. For the farmer, he's got a straw hat, a corncob pipe, and a potato that he keeps slipping. At the end, the beekeeper joke is that the guy is all bandaged on his head and his hands and his face. Hey, did you catch the uh, actor credit for yes. the beekeeper? David Duquan, one of the show's writers we talked about. Frequent writer, yes. And he was also the uh, waiter in the fat farm. Oh, so he did show his face once. Yes. I thought the whole kind of the gag would be for a writer to make a cameo with his head bandaged. Uh, he just wrote the Roy Clark show. That was his last right. credit we talked about. Uh, so the next scene, the uh, have another establishing shot of ABC Studios. Dawson says to the audience, now we have a nice surprise for you. And he turns to Oscar and says, and I want you to introduce him. Oscar says, oh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce a great friend and a great showman from the USO by way of Greenland. My dear friend, let's have a warm welcome for Felix Unger. Felix Unger comes out in his army uniform, and that leads to this scene. Life is a play and we all play a part. The lover, the dreamer, the clown. The dreamer and lover are always in tears. The clown spreads sunshine around. The life with a smile is the life worthwhile. So clown till the curtain comes down. Even though you're only make-believing, laugh, clown, laugh. Even though something inside is grieving, laugh, clown, laugh. Just in your vestila juba, be a pagliaccio, laugh, clown. The world is a masquerade party, and we all have our own masks to wear. The rich man pretends he is happy. And the pauper pretends he don't care. My mask is all worn out with teardrops. And at night when it's placed on the shelf, I may make the world think I'm merry, but I can't hide the truth from myself. So no matter how much it may hurt, I must keep on acting, acting, acting. Be He didn't suspect a thing. You've forgotten we're on tape. He's going to go home tonight and watch himself. It doesn't matter. We weren't on camera. He was on a great big close-up all alone. Oh, honey, okay. oh, oh, ah. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present an act that I discovered and I'm very proud of. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the aristocrats. So right before Felix sings, he takes off his hat and he throws it dramatically on the ground. While he's singing, Oscar and Richard have expressions of boredom. And twice when it sounds like Felix is about to end, Richard prepares to clap, but Felix keeps going. At the end, Oscar and Richard hold up signs that say on one side, applause and bravo. And mm-hmm. the other side say Brooklyn and door prizes. As a yeah, kid, what's that? so what's that? I, what I think is happening is when you people talk about Brooklyn in New York City, it gets an applause. That's why Jimmy Kimmel goes to Brooklyn. There's an episode of The Honeymooners where Norton talks about Brooklyn, USA, and he gets an applause from the studio. So I think there's an old running known thing in entertainment. If you're in New York and you call out Brooklyn, for some reason it gets a big applause. And door prizes is that meaning that the audience is going to get prizes. So they're excited. And they're cheering. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, it's, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I, you know, it's funny, like there is a Bronx cheer, which is, of course, a but that's a, yeah, that's boo, not a good, yeah, a a thing. yes. Yeah. And I thought maybe is the, a Brooklyn cheer, like a special, no, kind I, of happy I, thing? well, I think it's, I mean, Jimmy Kimmel also grew up in Brooklyn. No, I think it's is known that when you mention Brooklyn, Brooklyn's like the most enthusiastic. Why do part you of and I, as New Yorkers, not know this? For I sure? do know this. Well, for sure. sure. I mean, you're using the word for sure. I I know this because (laughs) I I don't know. You've seen other people use it. Yeah, because I watch a lot of TV, and whenever people mention Brooklyn, it it gets a lot of applause. I see. So, well, no, I I, I believe you. Uh, I mean, there could be a – Yeah. Like you're saying that the mere word door prizes on a sign is communicating to the studio audience that if you cheer loud enough, you'll get a door. I prize. think it means that somebody in the audience, when they leave the studio, will oh, win a will win a prize. I, I remember so, go yeah. Okay. So it's not like simply an applause sign. The first the first signs they have are like applause signs, basically like telling the audience to applaud. These are versions of signs to get people to applause. Yeah, I see. Okay. They're just not as direct about it. So maybe that was a whole thing for TV studio audiences they were familiar with. In those days. Maybe. Yep. Weird. Um, Weird. So uh, Felix does not see the signs. He, he thinks the applause is because he's great. And he actually comes back and takes a second bow and he salutes. Now, the aristocrats is the old couple from the teeter-totter act. Right. Why Oscar book them? I don't know. <laughs> well, we we find out what they they fixed their act. Well, yeah. So, but that so that would imply that they fixed the act and they came back and they showed Oscar that they can do it. I don't believe right. any of that. So instead of every Garrett, the way they fixed it is we now have our old friend Frank Delfino, who uh-huh. was the little person who played Mister Albertson in The Odd Father uh-huh. and was part of the teeter totter act <laughs> in the glue, in- the fake glue commercial for the bigger they are. Right. Uh, wow. So, uh, they, I guess they thought that was so funny when they did the fake commercial, the fake goo commercial that they just brought him back. For that. Well, yes. If that, if there is somebody making connections to prior episodes <laughs> of the show, we yeah, suspect yeah. they don't even think about what happened. Well, before. but someone like Gary Marshall is conscious of this. I guess so, so but there's so many it, things. And it wasn't that long ago. It was just a couple of months ago. I know, but there's so many things Gary Marshall isn't <laughs> conscious of that happens yeah, yeah, that yeah, I can't true. tell what's intentional and what's not. Except someone on the show gets a big kick out of the old circus uh, 
the yes, seesaw act. I guess so. You I keep calling it teeter. Why, is it teeter totter or seesaw? Well, it, it looks like a seesaw. I don't know what the technical circus term for oh, it is, but I've been calling it. Teeter- didn't you? I remember the first time we talked about it. I didn't. I couldn't think of the name of what it was, and I thought you said teeter totter. <laughs> I, I would never say such a thing. You did, uh, didn't you? <laughs> okay, well, you'll have to go to the audio tape to. Uh, well, I'm not going to do that. Okay, but um, by the way, uh, let's not uh, dismiss the name that they've given their act. The aristocrats, yes, which today has a different meaning. Well, it's not necessarily though, because the whole point of the aristocrats joke, as immortalized in the great documentary, is that it is an old joke for comics. But was never really it was such a dirty joke it wouldn't be told it wasn't familiar to uh, lay layman audiences. But co- in the seventies, if we believe what they say in the documentary, that comics have long played around with this version of the joke, and it's not the same joke. But the the prem the the whole the joke of the aristocrats, right? The the one that the movie's about is basically about an act that auditions for a variety show yes yes and the but it, it's a fa- and it's a family and they say oh tell us about your act and instead of doing a normal circus act they do all kinds of pornographic uh and scatological stuff that they're disgusting and then the punchline is what do you call yourself the aristocrats and i think part of that's built into the joke is that the aristocrats is a tip would it be a typical name for an acrobat troupe would like or would not would not be would, or would be would, would be a I typical see. name for like a family friendly right acrobat troop. And so I can't tell whether their use of it in the odd couple is an allusion to the dirty joke or an allusion to the source of the dirty joke, which is that that's a kind of cliche typical name for a for an act act like that. Okay. Uh, by the way, I found that uh, teeter totter and seesaw are the same thing. All right. So I, I just wasn't sure teeter-totter was a technical term or whether he was kind of just made up. Anything more you want to say about the aristocrats? I have nothing more to say. So the next scene, we see Felix and Oscar and Murray watching Felix on the TV. Murray is crying watching Felix sing. Felix has a bit of a confused look on his face. When Felix is done, Oscar turns off the set with the clicker. Murray says, Felix, you were just wonderful. I'm really very moved. He's still crying. He goes to leave. He turns around at the front door and says to Felix, I want to shake your hand. What a gift. He leaves. Felix looks confused. Oscar says, what's the matter, buddy? You don't look happy. Felix says, no, I'm happy. Oscar says, what? Felix says, I don't know. They seem to be laughing at at me there for a while. I don't know. Then at the end, they went crazy. Oscar says, well, you just warmed them up. See, Felix says, is that it? Oscar says, yeah. Felix says, they really did seem to love me there at the end. I don't know. It's a strange thing. What, did you set it up? Did you tell them I was an orphan? Oscar says, oh, no, come on. Felix says, wounded war veteran, only had six months to live. Oscar says, well, you cut it out. Of course I didn't do that. Felix says, they were really crazy about me, weren't they? Oscar says, yeah, well. Felix says, what, what, what? Oscar says, Felix, so don't get mad, okay? Felix says, no, no. Oscar says, well, Rich and I were afraid you were going to bomb with the song. And that leads to this quote. Thanks. I was afraid of the same thing. Yeah, well, so at the end of it, when it yeah. was over, we, we held up signs and we cued the audience <laughs> to yell bravo and applause. Really? And <laughs> Behind my back? Yeah, well, <laughs> when the song was over, see, it's a door prizes and bravo <laughs> and applause <laughs> and everything. You bum! <laughs> <laughs> Who told you to butt in? I could stand up there in front of that audience. Yeah? And they'd throw rocks at me, wouldn't they? That's what I was afraid of, buddy. 
I've had it. I've learned my lesson. I have no business being a performer. I'm too sincere. <laughs> Takes too much out of me. No. I'm better off just as I am. I'm a photographer. Let Dawson be a performer. Right. We each belong in our own. It's a wonderful song. Though. Oh, it is a good song. I gotta say that. You know what happened? Did you hear what the accompanist was doing? He was dragging it. Even though you're only make-believing love. That's not the way to go, you see. It should be done with a little bit more heart, a little bit more spirit, you know what I mean? Even though you're only make-believing love, clown love. What do you say? Fat. <laughs> That's what the Eskimos used to say. <laughs> I don't have much to say about that scene. It is what it is. Do you? Uh, no, but we, it reminds me, we did not uh, uh, inform the audience of the background to the song Laugh, Clown, Laugh, which is a real song, which I'm, uh, I'm surprised they, in this uh, DVD, they did not, they did not I've, cut this. Or I thought it's in the pub. I looked it up. It was like 1927 yeah. or something. Isn't it it's, public it name by close, now? It would be a close call. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I guess technically it is almost 100 years. Yeah. But um, but it is a song that was written for a silent film, which is not how many songs get known because they couldn't be sung in the song. But it was a kind of a tie-in to a Lon Chaney movie called Laugh, Clown, Laugh from 1928. And it is written by um, had somebody. Uh, I think. Ted, it's well, it's, perf it's yeah. Uh, ah, had it. Uh, Ted Lewis. It is written. Ted Lewis is, I think, one of the the recorded the song oh. first. But um, Sam Lewis and Joe Young. Music by Ted Fiorito. Right. Ted Fiorito, right, and Joe Young. Um, and it was it is a, a became kind of a standard recorded by uh, by many uh, cabaret singers, uh, you know, American standards. It's a horrible song. song. I hate it. <laughs> well, especially in Tony Randall's version. But he is hamming it up to Tony Randall's credit. He's hamming it up very deliberately. Uh, and it's meant to be kind of a sappy song, right? The crying clown. Uh, Pagliacci kind of there's a Pagliacci reference in there that Tony Randall gave it. Um, but uh, turns out Tony Randall himself recorded this song previously, and going down the rabbit hole of this song finally led me to something I suspected, which is that Tony Randall did actually release some LPs in the 60s prior to The Odd Couple huh. of just singing songs he liked, like all those songs he sings in The Odd Couple, right? Um, it's funny. Happy and peppy and bursting with love. Not no, that's an original. Of course, oh, right? but um, you know, Tony Randall, uh, given his long career in stage and screen, only did one Broadway musical, a very short-lived show called Oh Captain. Uh, he was not known as a musical performer, and not certainly not in movies. I don't think he did any movie musicals. Um, but he did. Of there's a couple albums he released and the one he released uh, in 1960 or at least the early 60s called bits and pieces starts with laugh clown laugh and then also includes something called nature boy poor little rich girl all night dj little old lady kiss me again little sir um hawaii laganape says it could be a cigarette there are commercials on the lp so that could be that just a gigolo he doesn't do that in the on couple doesn't that 
Oh, Baby, It's Cold Outside, famous song. So I guess none of the other Odd Couple songs, but Laugh, Clown, Laugh clearly is in his repertoire. Did you ever see Tony Randall on stage? I've seen him act. I saw, yes. Oh, I can't believe we haven't talked about this. Well, I saw them do a fun, uh, an Odd Couple. Oh, right. When, when he started his National Actors Theater Company on Broadway in the 90s. Uh, they they raised money for it by doing some benefit performances of the Odd Couple, and then I saw him. I I went I subscribed to that company, so I saw he 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 appeared uh, fairly frequently with the with the company in a series of roles. Let me revise my question: Did you ever see him on Broadway? Yes, that was on Broadway. Oh, all right. I saw him, <laughs> but with, I never saw him. I sing. saw him, I saw him in one play, M Butterfly. Yes, he did do that play. Right. Yeah. I, funny enough. Funny enough, I did not see him do that play, but I have a story I'll maybe tell you off the air about that. I remember um, the only reason I liked that play was because he was in it. Yes, it would not be a play for odd couple fans necessarily. It was a very, <laughs> very daring role. And I must say, very big, demanding role for an actor who had his, when he did that, he would have been 70 or close to 70. And he did that. That was part of his comeback to Broadway. Uh, I remember, okay, so the reason I, I didn't see it, but I was working for the producer of that show. Who and is? I got to meet uh, Stuart Ostro. Uh, oh, Ostro, Astrolander Theaters, right? Or is that, oh, am I confusing? That, that might be, I think Ostro came from a family of producers. Okay. Old, you're talking about old time kind of yeah. circuit. I'm thinking of Niederlander. Never mind. Oh, never mind. Okay. Different, yes. Anyway, uh, when I was working in that office, I got to meet Tony Randall. Because he came in to meet about how are how are you saving this over. for the penultimate? Like, <laughs> you, I guess you could have saved this for next week, but yes, you well, I could. <laughs> All right, maybe you know, maybe one of our bonus episodes. I'll. Well, I'll no, well, now tell the stories. story. Now okay. tell it. Well, I just briefly I met him in the office because he came in to meet about replacing John Lithgow, which was what he was doing. John Lithgow created in M Butterfly. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, this was 19, summer of 1989. It was, it was my summer job. And, um, um, and uh, it just, he just came through the office and I met him and told him what a fan I was of him. And he knew my father you know, slightly. And uh, so I was able to make a connection with him. But I, I, well, I know that that was like, he was uh, basically retiring from television at that point. I mean, he had done, it had been a while since Love Sydney, and he was really focusing on his dream of founding this company. And he did that to make a comeback to Broadway and to raise money, you know, basically to make money so that he could put it into the theater company. And he started the theater company just a couple of years after that. Did you mention uh, and, the odd couple to him? Yes. Um, but uh, we did not have a lot of time to discuss. Did that. you ask him to be on our podcast? Uh, I said, you know, um, uh, 30 years from now, <laughs> if you're still alive at 100, I'd love to have you on the podcast with my friend Ted, who, of course, I knew you at the time. And I, was yeah. I must have told you this. Me, you, maybe you have, <laughs> but I don't remember because yes. I, I, we haven't talked about M. Butterfly. I don't think have, so I don't yeah. remember that. I don't that remember the this. strange part of the greater odd couple universe. But, um, but uh, my original point was that it's very, it just shows what an impressive uh, performer he was that in that he could do a role like that at the age of 70 and then continue to act on stage for almost another 10 years. He was, in fact, when he died, he was uh, rehearsing uh, a smaller role to perform with his company. Huh. So, um, 
I think I got to, I got to see him do the Sunshine Boys with Jack Klugman. He had Jack Klugman back to do another Neil Simon play, the Sunshine Boys. And then I saw him uh, in a cup to cut like two other plays there. What were we talking about? So we're talking about the final scene. So this is a weirdly structured episode because the last scene, which is normally the tag, is really not a tag. It's like two to three minutes long. It's also really bad, but um, that's where we are. So uh, I don't even know if you call it a tag, but Richard, Oscar, and Murray are sitting in the living room. Richard's holding a piece of cheese and says, who made this cheese? Plastics of America? Hey, Felix, is he all right? He's not mad. Oscar says, no, 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 he's not mad. We had a long talk about everything. There's one thing I can tell you. Richard says, what? Oscar says, he's out of show business forever. He'll never perform again. Richard says, great. Murray says, oh, that's too bad. He's so gifted. Last, laugh, clown, laugh. Richard says, well, it's our loss, isn't it? Now, Felix comes out into the living room shouting, hey, Dick, Dick. And he's wearing a barbershop quartet jacket, and he's carrying another one. Well, like I read in, I read in, I think I've called it a candy cane striped uh, jacket. Red, Is it red, not white. a barbershop? It, it would, it would be associated with barbershop. Yeah. yeah but he's wearing like a straw boater hat and a red and well, white. He's not wearing the hat jacket. at this point. Oh, he's sorry, just wearing sorry, the jacket. Getting ahead he's, of myself. Okay. he's carrying another version of this jacket. And he says, look what I found, our old stuff. Richard says, where'd you get these? Felix says, I want you to see that our act wasn't so bad. Richard says, what do you want us to do? The vaudeville number? Felix says, yeah. Go in the kitchen. Felix has some sheet music for the piano. He asks Murray if he can uh, play it. Murray says, yeah, before even looking at it. Felix says, as soon as we get in the kitchen, give us a bell note. Now, I looked up a bell note. It's a dominant note perceived immediately by the human ear of a percussion instrument. It's got nothing to do with a piano. So do you know what bell note means? No, I am not not familiar with the term. Okay. Uh, So uh so we're going to hear this number that this vaudeville number and they're both now wearing a jacket with the hat that you mentioned and the cane by the way i just want to point out that everything you just described is cut from the the tv syndicated version. oh so you just get the they song. Just start with the song yeah, okay all right well that's where it comes all right so here's the final scene hats cane trunks trains that's the way it was in Vaudeville. Soft, cue, soft, shoe. And then we went out front and made you kill. They loved us in the cities and they loved us in the sticks. We didn't mind the vegetables, but when they threw those bricks. Oh, laughs, ha ha. Frowns out. Tang. Jan, we smashed them in action, we killed them in Wilton, they raved in New Haven. Hold it! 
New Haven? Ha! And that's the way it was in Border. Listen, every son and daughter, ain't you glad that you have bought a ticket to a good old Borderville? Yes, sir! And that's the way it was in Drunk, trained, that's the way it was in Bordeville. So at the end, for some reason, Felix and Richard leave the apartment. Oscar locks the door behind them and they mock them. Now, you have something you want to say about that boring yeah, song? I, uh, so this song intrigued me because, uh, you know, I, I, I assume you would assume from the episode that it's that it's an old standard perhaps even from the original days of Vogue. I actually thought it was something they wrote as an original. Ah, oh, okay. Well, I guess, yeah, obviously the lyrics are, are about uh, the nostalgia are about. So the, yeah, obviously it would not be from vaudeville days, but it seemed like maybe it would be a known song. I mean, after all, they are implying, are they not, that this is one of the songs they did in their act yes. back in the war. Yes. All right. But when you look at, uh, so you just Google, like, that's the way it was in vaudeville song. And you don't, it's hard, you don't get a lot on it. Um, it was very hard to track this down for sure. And I got, ended up with two different attributions of, of, of who wrote it and where it came from. I believe the accurate one is that it was written by, uh, actually the lyrics written by none other than Larry Gelbhardt, the great Larry Gelbhardt, who, great comedy writer, who went on, of course, to be a major force behind mash but it also had an illustrious career writing for sid caesar and other big comedians of the uh 50s and 60s uh and so there is because i found a copyright there is a copyright listing for the song for 1970 um for that's the way it was in vaudeville by larry gelbhardt and someone named sheldon keller Sheldon Keller was a uh, very uh, prolific TV comedy and music writer for a lot of for a lot of shows from the 60s and 70s. Um, and they get the credit for the song in the U.S. copyright listing and that is dated to a an episode of the Jonathan Winters show. Yeah, the Jonathan Winters variety show familiar that he had a variety show. Uh I don't remember it specifically. No, I mean, unless it was short lived. Okay. I, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it seems like they had, uh, it ran for over, sporadically over three seasons uh, 67 through six, 1967 through 1969. And um, so it seems to have been written at the, the copyright 1970, I assume, aired in 1969. There is no. Uh, a video that I can find on the internet of that original. That seems to be where it is comes from. And it must have caught on very quickly because here we are in 1970. This is being filmed and taped in the late 1974. Well, uh, did it have to catch on or is it just something that Gary Marshall knew about because of Larry Gelbart? Yeah, maybe. Right. Maybe they, someone saw it on TV, remembered it, or I don't know, someone, I don't, there's no other recording of it. There's no, like, it, it's interesting well, how they would have thought of it. 
now, if you do look it up on YouTube, though, there is one very interesting uh, video you'll find of this, and that's of Bob Hope and George Burns singing it on a Bob Hope special that uh, that turns out to be from 1978. So it's after the odd couple. And a lot of people, which is why a lot of people seem to credit it to somehow to Bob Hope or to his writers for this 1978 special. But we know here we are watching it from 1974 on the odd couple. Uh, one of Bob Hope, someone, one of Bob Hope's old writers wrote a book about Bob Hope. His name is Robert Mills, and he has the most he writes the most uh, about this song that I found on the internet, but he attributes the song to a writer named Saul Weinstein, who was another, who was an, one of Bob Hope's writers who's credited on some of these shows, but um, is not part of the Jonathan Winters team and does not show up on the copyright. So I, I, I suspect that Mr. Mills is remembering the experience of putting together this show and that Saul Weinstein was on it. And, seem to remember Saul. He says Saul Weinstein is Sheldon Keller. Sheldon Keller is the, the guy I mentioned before who did the music. So I think this is a case of a, a misleading memory. But I just mentioned this because the clip of Bob Hub and George Burns is hilarious because it's an hour long. It's like it's a B-roll or not B roll, what do you call it? like it's like the raw footage of them trying again and again and constantly messing up <laughs> the song. And if you if really if you're really interested, you could watch the whole hour of them do like 20 takes to try to get this song right because the lyrics, right? They kind of like there's a lot of wordplay and they have to. It's like very complicated patter of uh, lyrics in the song. And these are two old guys by that point, especially George Burns, and they just can't remember it. I can't read the cards. And is if you're a real fan of these kind of old comedians, it's fascinating to watch. So. Um, that's that's and how different saying. are the lyrics to the one we're hearing now pretty the lyrics that they sing are the same the the only difference is that the song is structured in a way that there's this pattern in between because it's oh. a style of a vaudeville where they tell jokes in between yeah, the right. the uh different uh, verses and so they do different jokes but because it get it's like the raw footage they start telling dirty jokes they start like insulting each other it's it's just it's an hour long it's, and in fact uh, this guy robert mills who i just was talking about he writes about the taping of that on his um in his bob hope book uh but they they include an excerpt from that chapter uh on his author's web page uh so maybe we can include a link i mean i'll send you a link to that you can put it on facebook it's very funny well, what I learned from this is that this is a, not a good song. It's not entertaining. So what I've learned from Felix is that he, or from this show, is that this yeah. show really makes Felix look like a bad entertainer. He's not. Well, it makes Richard Dawson look correct that there was a, there was not a good act. Yeah, that's right. They do have a bad act. Dawson is more talented. And, uh, you know, this episode kind of makes Felix look like a drip. I mean, other episodes where he's an entertainer, he does well. Like when he saves yes. Oscars, but with Pernell Roberts. Right. Or a lot of the opera stuff or the sophisticados like. Right. And maybe that's because he's not by himself. But when, you know, he he does do a very good hoedown or square dance. So we know he's talented, but this episode just makes him look like a <laughs> Um And that last segment is 
I just, it's boring. It's like, it's so, it's a, it's unnecessary. So I give this episode three and a half, so sorry, three out of five Murray's. There's a lot of funny moments, but it's, it's a weird episode because it has these, these, it has these interludes of like the magic trick of which one is interesting. Right, and one right. is really dumb. Right. The, the song at the end and Felix singing laugh clown laugh, which is more irritating than it is funny. So these, these moments of like, not like mediocre entertainment, which I think the show is trying to make fun of. Right. Yeah. Don't forget the, the acrobats too. And the acrobats, which right. that, that at least is, that's a farcicalness to it or farce yes, that, right. that makes it entertaining, you know, or more entertaining. And it's short. It's like yeah. 20 seconds right. versus if you add up the magic and laugh, clown, laugh, and this, it's probably six minutes. So it's like, you know, I think we've talked about this before. It's the famous thing from Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip that Aaron, that uh, was that Aaron Sorkin? Aaron Sorkin. Where the actual, when they would show a lot of the, fake Saturday Night Live bits that were never funny and that takes away from it. And then there was that show on AMC about the, the, the woman who was in the sitcom and then came out of the sitcom. And I forget it was called a kill something about killing Kevin or something or fuck oh, Kevin. Uh, right, right, right. And the actual in the, in, in show moments were really not very funny. Yeah. So it takes away from mocking something when you're showing a bad version of the thing you're mocking because yeah. you're just boring people. Anyway, so I give it three out of five Murrays, and it's saved by some of like actual Murray. Oh, Murray saves a lot. Yeah. Of it. Yes, yeah. And it's there funny. are you know the Richard Dawson Fair and the uh, the Murray Coaster stuff. It it, it it saves it enough that I don't turn this episode off. But and the and for some reason Mark Wilson coming out in his run <laughs> has always stuck in my mind and as a positive that's true okay. that's my uh that's my value um i think you're right that there's an attempt here to kind of um sort of what do you call it uh, affectionately ridicule the tradition of the variety show like they kind of uh uh it's uh, there's a term for affectionate mocking kind of uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, of of that tradition where they are deliberately right they have the pathetic acrobat act they but then they have the very real magic act right yeah so, that's that's the weirdness yeah. of it is they... and then the and, and the the bad skits that uh felix tries to resurrect that he did with dawson during the war are really intentionally bad i think in a kind of funny way but oh yeah i guess that's I, I, I do think i do think yeah the, whenever they're trying to like intentionally mock uh, uh, some very um, hackneyed old old variety shows. It's kind of amusing, but you're, it also is takes up, as you said, a huge part of the show. Um, I also I think one big problem that you alluded to earlier was um, kind of like I think you were kind of alluding to this that there's surprisingly very little interaction between Felix and Richard Dawson. Like, that's the story you want to see, right? You were saying, like, Dawson is very nice. Why is Felix being so, like, what, what does he have against them? Yeah. And the real story, if you want to take the story serious, it's like, wow, these two guys haven't seen each other since World War II. Like, wouldn't it be nice to see what they have to say to each other? But they never have a scene together. Dawson is, like, always, like, not there when he's auditioning, you know, conveniently. 
And then finally at the end, the song they do, that's the only attempt they do at that is to have them do this number together. But there's a real missed dramatic opportunity. I don't mean serious dramatic. I just mean like character development to have them actually have a scene. And I get that's a, a big a failing of this episode that um, instead they make Oscar kind of Dawson's buddy. Um, overall, I agree. I give you the same rating, three. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is one of the lesser guest star episodes. It's not uh, one where they came up with a really good solution. And, and Richard Dawson feels like very unused. And he's actually an actual actor, like from Hogan's Zero, so, and a comedian, allegedly. So it seems like he's very underused in this episode. Yeah, I think that's an, I think you hit that right that I didn't mention is that he's he he doesn't do very much. I mean, he does the bad act at the end. Yeah. He does a little patter with Oscar on stage. And that's about it. And speaking of which, there may be a reason for that, Ted, because I did finally find my 25th anniversary Odd Couple Companion, and uh, I'd like to read something from that. Okay. There was an interesting piece of information about it, not so much about the writing credit, although I think this does give strength to my theory uh, on why it would be a pseudonym. All right, so this is what Mark Rothman has to say about the episode. We started out writing it for Dick Cabot. Oh. Again, meaning like a second episode for Dick Cabot? Well, no, I think, well, he says we started out writing it for Dick Cabot and then we couldn't get Dick Cabot for some reason. Now, what's interesting is they filmed, they taped this right after the one with Dick Cabot. Oh. Dick Cabot did Two Men on a Horse instead, which was, according to this book, taped a week before LaughCon left. But it seems plausible that as they're planning ahead, they kind of like slated Dick Cabot for this one. And then when he couldn't, they wanted him on the show anyway. So they stuck him in. Maybe they sort of shoehorned him into uh, Two Men on a Horse. Mm -hmm. Right? That makes yeah. sense to me. Um. So here, but here's the full story. So we started out writing it for Dick Cavett and it was going to be about gymnastics. So hence the, the acrobat act, I think. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why Dick Cavett fits okay. into that, but yeah. um, then we couldn't get Dick Cavett for some reason. And we ended up with Richard Dawson. It became a show about a dart contest. <laughs> I don't know why this was on Wednesday. And we were shooting on Friday. Then on Thursday, it became a show about going on TV for a variety show. It was just one of those scripts. I think it was one of the last ones we shot and was really just a hodgepodge. It was never really about anything. Yeah. It sounds like what happened. I mean, it sounds right. like what we see on screen. And it yeah. does make sense with your credit that they just made up some name to give it a credit to. Yeah. Yeah. And it was indeed, this is, uh, even though, uh, it is was it was the next to last episode that they taped, uh, and it happens also to be the next to last that aired. Yeah, it is actually they filmed it after Felix remarries. Um, I think it also gives support to. I don't know if you were actually floating a theory, but when you mentioned Monty Hall, as yeah, like one of the forces behind Masquerade. Yeah, Hardy. Right? Yeah, yes. Uh, that uh, I bet after Dick Cavett, they went to. I bet they went to Monty Hall for a Monty Hall three. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I can mean, see if, that. If time's yeah. running out, time's running out, and Monty Hall, you would would do another kind of does another kind of variety show that they could do some wacky dart throwing, whatever they're going to do. Uh, and then Monty Hall says, "No, I can't." But can you promote my masquerade party show? 
Right. Well, surprisingly, they got it's surprising they got so much funny stuff they did out of it, given yeah. how yeah. haphazard it seemed to have come yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any insight into this episode, um, questions, comments, you can email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. Next week, we'll be back with the series finale oh my goodness which will not be our final episode as we've said before right um garrett you bum use your coaster ted